us. Thank you for keeping us saved. Oh, Lord, we look forward to being in heaven with you, but right now we're here in the battle. So we ask that today that you might fill us mightily with your Holy Spirit, that we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us to put forth your word for the glory of the Lord Jesus, for the edifying of believers, for the blessing of this church. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, if you want to look on this paper here, now this sketch, as you may figure out by now, Vicki did this. Uh, we do this on Wednesday night. We, this is actually our Wednesday night uh, presentation. So we're going through the book of Jude. And so this was our first lesson on Jude. We did it probably a month ago or so. So first I thought we, I would ask our, our resident artist if she would like to comment on her on her sketch here. Anything you'd like to say about the sketch? <laughs> we're, just this morning we got here and we're looking. That guy looks familiar. But uh, anyway, so uh, I won't say any more about that unless this gets out of control here. So, okay. All right, so, uh, so here's a picture of the poor pastor there preaching behind the pulpit there. And... Um, but our theme is to contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That's perhaps the most famous verse out of Jude. That's Jude 3. Uh, so I thought we'd go over this and uh, just have a couple comments. If you have questions, comments, disagreements, please feel free to speak your mind, ask your questions, and we will entertain them. So just a little bit of background to the small book of Jude. And here we say, when was it written? Well, the estimate is between 50 to 110 A.D., uh, written by Jude, um, written to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. And you know, interesting verse in the Bible is the word called, C-A-L-L-E-D. It comes from the word kaleo. And it's actually in Scripture 624 times. But a lot of it is about the Lord calling, calling sinners to repentance. And uh, so that's an interesting study if you get into the book, into the word of called, uh, called to be an apostle. You know, Paul says that about himself. He was called of God to be a, but not everybody's called. You realize that too. And you also know that God's calling is effectual. If he calls you to himself, you will come. But if you're not called, you'll never come to Christ. And that's another story we can get into. If you analyze and have a good study of the book of called, uh, that's, that's very interesting. Um, what's, what's the other verse? Um, uh, let's see, what's that one verse But called in there? Uh, For by grace do you save through faith? Not through, no, it's not that one. Uh, anyway, uh, it'll come to my mind as we're going through this. Okay, so now getting back here to Jude. So Jude... Uh, where was it written from? Where was Jude physically when he wrote this? We don't know. Okay, and why did he write this little epistle? Well, because it was a, a, a warning needed against licentiousness and blasphemous heretics of the day. So he had this issue, you know, with the heretics, and so he wrote, yes? Yeah, question, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The call, yeah. Right. Um, interesting. Matthew twenty-two fourteen says, "For many are called, yeah. but few are chosen." Yeah. So, is this written to just 
chosen or just for people who have been called? Because you mean, are, you know, it might make sense when I say that. Many are called. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that, that that's I don't know if that really relates to Jude. Are you saying how does that connect with Jude? Well, I guess the thing is, it's to the called. To the called, yeah. So many are called. Yeah, in that, in that text there, yeah, the call the call is a, a broad calling, a broad but the calling. yeah, but the choosing is God's selection in that verse. In that verse. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a good analogy, trying to put those two together. Many are called and, and, and few are chosen because we know that we are come to Christ because before the foundation of the world, he elected sinners to save, and by the grace and mercy of God, we were, <laughs> we were in that group. Otherwise, you know, it wouldn't be turned out the way it did. Okay, so then we are, that was a good question. Any other question? That's a, that's a good question. Any other question you may have at this point? Okay, so if not, then moving right along, speedily moving right along here. <clears throat> well, he's warning against licentiousness there, um, why, the, why the book is written. And then the theme. Well, our theme is to expose false teachers. Of course, that's very appropriate for today because there's false teachers all over the place. You put on the radio on, false teacher. Put on television, false teacher, and they're all over the place. So Jude is very appropriate for today. And of course, he encourages us to stand firm in the faith. Not to be intimidated, but stand firm in the word of God. Stand fast, what's that verse? Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has called you. And, so, and then we have a purpose here, to encourage the Christian community to stand firm in the faith and to fight for the truth. That's quite a purpose right there. Stand firm and fight for the truth of God. It means to contend, as we're going to see, Jude 3. Contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And that's our job, to contend for it. But think about it, though. How, that's, that's a difficult thing to do unless you are you know, well into God's word and understand how to deal with many of the philosophies that come across in this day and age, but, but, but that scripture is telling us we should be ready to contend for the faith. So when someone makes a false statement, tactfully and skillfully, you know, Lord, make it contend for it. Yes, yes, can attend. Jude's objective here in this book is to be consistent in the truth. Yeah. And he warns against false teaching. My question is to you, definitely, with all your years of experience, how can somebody Oh, they don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And how will they know? Well, this is written to believers, so he's warning the believers, you know, to be to, to be ready to contend, be alert to contend. When, so when you hear a false message, identify it and expose it. So that's what he's telling those people there. And of course, by the principles of inspiration, we know that's applicable for us as well. Yes. Can, can, in second part. Yeah. How do, we, how do we do it? By knowing God's word. Right. right? So as we're familiar with God's word, then we know what's false and what's accurate. Does that, does that answer your question? Or I'm still beating around the bush, not getting to your heart of your question. Well, I don't want to be arrogant, but I know the answer. I just wanted to bring it up. Right? Oh, okay. That's a good question. Yeah. False yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Trying to set me up and lead along. I'm very good. <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> they can only help somebody so much, and then they can't be helped. 
Okay, so, uh, knowing to stand and contend for the faith. Now, does anybody have an example of how you contended for the faith with someone or something? Maybe, you know, a false statement was made and you say, hey, wait a minute, that isn't right because blah, 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 blah. blah. Did you ever, ever do something like that? Do you going to say something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you're talking, uh, you remind me of, of a situation um, in doing this. We had in our church, our former church in, in Stony Bank, periodically we would have guest speakers come in. Most of the time I always knew them ahead of time, so they knew they were good. But sometimes somebody, hey, Don, I know this preacher, he liked to preach. You know, he's like, if he wanted to take a break, he could come in and preach. So that's, that was this situation. And I really didn't know the person that well, but I'm trusting the guy. I'm trusting the person who set this up that the preacher was good and all this. So he got up there and started preaching. And he wasn't bad, but he said a couple things that really weren't proper. And now I'm sitting out there and thinking, oh, man, now I got a mess. I'm going to have to correct what he's saying, you know, because it wasn't correct what he was, he was leaving to people. And it wasn't something minor. It was a major issue. I thought, oh, man, how am I, how am I going to do this without embarrassing him and, you know, cause... But, and, and I really thought, you know, now, are you going to be a faithful pastor to the church? Or are you just going to, you're just going to uh, you know, want convenience and keep everybody happy and all this. So anyway, when he was done, you know, I give me wisdom, how do I handle this? And I, you know, I said, I want to thank Brother John for coming to share many good ideas. However, there was something that he did say that I don't, don't think it's really according to God's word, and that is, and then went on to explain it. And, uh, but he didn't take offense. It was over. And he, you know, but, th- but that's what you have to do, especially as a pastor. You know, as a leader and a pastor of a church, you have to be ready to contend for the faith, which is a hard thing. To, I find it difficult to do because you don't want to offend the person or get him angry. But that's what you've got to do. At times, you've got to do that. If you're going to be a good pastor or a leader of a Bible study, you've got to be ready to do that. Stand for the faith. And sometimes you're not going to be popular. Sometimes you get kicked out. <laughs> that's, that can happen. Yes. Yeah. There is no way until you deal with it that the Lord's going to let you go. Yeah, very good. So, you know, we've learned from experience if we have been obeying God that it's not going to go away and it's going to be worse if you let it go because you're still going to have to deal with it. Very good. Well said. Yeah. You have to be persistent and follow through with it. It's the easy way out. No, you're right. Very well. And a lot of insight there. If you let it go for another time, you don't want to do exactly what you said. It gets worse. It multiplies itself. And by the time you do deal with it, it's all over. The, and everybody, yes.
You think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. A very good point. Yes. All right. Don't worry. The time I'll guide you. But yet, but that, and you know, in the churches today, that's something though which is really overlooked. Contending for the faith. So behind our pulpits, a lot of times you get a lot of nonsense, and uh, to try to keep everybody happy, you get all kind of stuff. So. So anyway, but that's the job of a pastor and, and, or a Christian leader. If you have a Bible study or a ministry that you're heading up, you've got to be ready to contend for the faith if a situation arises. And of course, if you do that, you're not going to be real popular, but that's okay. I want to be popular with the Lord and with his word, and if people like me, good if they don't. You know, really, it's inconsequential, actually. Okay, so any, anyway, this is just a little late introduction to Jude. So now what we're going to do, to move on here, we want to... I have a couple, some things to say about Jude, looking at the first three verses. Now, this is normally what we do in a prayer meeting. I prepare these for our prayer meetings, and we'll cover maybe two, three, or maybe four verses a night, <clears throat> and then spend a lot of our time in prayer. And so this was something that we did uh, last month, and so I um, thought I'd share it with you and see what, see what we get here. So looking at the book of Jude, we find here in Jude 1, 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. There's that word again, called, you see. So what I normally do is just break it down, phrase by phrase, sometimes word by word, to see what's there and comment on it and see what God's word has for us. So the way I was doing Jude, first of all, we started out with Jude, identifying who's Jude, because you really don't hear all that much about Jude. And sometimes if you talk to a Christian and say, well, uh, you know, what do you know about Jude? He'd say, Jude what? Who's Jude? Because <laughs> they just don't know. But this is a very powerful book here. And so here's Jude. It was the half-brother of our Lord. He calls himself the servant of Jesus Christ. So that word servant there is that word doulos. And there you have the, out of the lexicon, the, the definition. It's a slave, a bondman, uh, one of servile condition a qualified sense of subjection. He, he, he understands that he's under subjection. That's a servant. And by the grace of God that we may be servants. And that's what you want to, that's, that's a good self-image um, of yourself, to be a servant of the Lord. And sometimes, you know, often we want people serving us or we want to be, but really we're, to be a, we're called to be a servant, to wait on others, to wait on the Lord. We are his servant. And that's what we have here and so that's his image. Here's Jude's image. He sees himself as being a servant. Uh, um, also, he's the brother of James, as he, that's identifying himself here, exactly who he is. And um, so you, you have information there about this. Uh, going on to the next phrase, to them that are sanctified. Now, there's that word sanctification there. Agiazo is the word there. And it means to make pure or holy. And so we see the word applies to Christians or saved believers or those who are the called ones, in other words, for the believing community, to be sanctified, to be set apart, and to be, to be the Lord's. And that's what he's writing to those, to them that are sanctified by God the Father. So the work of sanctification is what the Lord does upon us. And so hopefully we're sanctified in the Lord 
Um, now, my, 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 my first wife, Faye, um, by the grace of God, she's with the Lord now. But, um, so she had a girlfriend who was from the Methodist communion. And actually, her father was a Methodist pastor. And you know, the Methodists are a little different, you know, <laughs> quite different than the Presbyterians, you know. And they get into this a lot of time of, of um, what we're seeing here, sanctification. And I remember talking to her years, many, many years ago. This is like during my college years. And she would, you know, and she would take us to a Methodist church. And this thing of sanctification, boy, that's the big, that's, real, <laughs> that's really big to them. And it is to us. I mean, it's a wonderful Christian term. But if you look at it at its meaning, it seems to be made pure and holy. Now, we are made that way when we trust in Christ. We're made pure and holy. Uh, the best example that I could give to you, and I probably gave you this before, but if I let this hand represent me, Don Britton, if I let my, my empty, thin wallet represent uh, my sins. Now, if this, by, if this was by proportion, it'd be a gigantic thing. Okay, so here is Don Britton, and here's my sin. So the Bible says, if I let this hand represent the Lord Jesus Christ, what did he do? He went to Calvary's cross, and while he is on the cross, what is he doing? He's taking my sins on himself so that I can now appear before God pure and holy, sanctified before the Lord. Well, what happened to my sin? Jesus has it. He paid for my sins. I'm not going to pay for my sins. The Lord Jesus paid for my sin. Therefore, based on his work, I go to heaven. And that's related to what we're talking about here, using that word sanctification. Um, So, okay, so that's one aspect of sanctification we could talk about. But moving on here, it says, um, we are sanctified by God the Father. In other words, that is his work. That is what he does upon us. We don't do it to ourselves. He does it to us. You see? We are sanctified by God the Father. Uh, and you see here Philippians 2.13. Here's a great Bible verse to memorize. Philippians 2.13. It is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And that, get that verse down. You'll use that many times. Philippians 2.13. It's God. It's God that works in you to do two things. To will, that is to say to have the will to want to serve. To will and then the power to do it. And why are you here today? Think about that. Your presence here today is evidence that God is working. This thing occurred to you. It's God that works us birth to, birth to do, uh, to, works in us both to will, you have the desire to be here, and then to do it. You're here. You're not sitting at home thinking, oh, I wish I was at church today. <laughs> You're here. So you had the desire and the will, and you got up and did it, and here you are. But you know what that is? That's the work of God, That's the work of God in you. Ultimately, it's the Lord that gets the credit. You don't. <laughs> when you want to be, you know, actually understanding this from a Christian perspective, he's the one that gets the glory. And think about this. Why are you here and many people are not? Well, for whatever reason, you've got the hand, the God, hand of God upon you. You've got the blessing of God upon you. And you might say, well, did I deserve it? No, of course you don't deserve it. But that's what you have. And so every day you're here and you're interested in the church and you're serving the Lord, give him the praise because it's him that works in you. If he was, if he was not working in you, you wouldn't be here. You'd have something else to do. I wouldn't be here. I'd be doing something else. But by the grace and mercy of God, he selected to work, work through us. And we say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this. 
as we go on here, just looking again, that next phrase here, that it is God who sanctifies. We do not sanctify ourselves. Sanctification is a work of God upon the sinner's heart, which guides him to love and good works. 2 Thessalonians 2.13. Okay, moving on then. So not only are we sanctified, but also we are preserved. Look at that language there. Preserved in Jesus Christ. And that's the word terio. The word preserved is terio. It means to watch over, keep, give, heed, and to observe. So the Lord watches over us. He maintains us. He keeps us. Like if you buy a piece of steak, and you want to not ease until next week where you put it in the, you could put it in the freezer. And what's the freezer doing? Preserving that meat so it doesn't go bad. What does the Lord do for us? He preserves us so we don't go off in that wild idea or this crazy tangent or go apostate. Why? Because you're so good? No, because the Lord is holding you. The Lord's preserving you and he's preserving me. That's why we're here. If we were not preserved, we'd be at the local bar or be over here doing this or doing that. But the Lord preserves us. And so, you know, thank the Lord for this. We are preserved in Jesus Christ. You see there in that verse, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, who are kept, oh, I love this word here, you are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Isn't that a beautiful statement? That's a statement about the believer. We are kept. What are we kept by? The power of God. And you know, anything less than the power of God, we'd be sucked into the world. We'd be part of the world system. But by his mercy, we are kept. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. But not only are we kept, look at the next word, kaleo, the word called. And you see, this is the word I want, this is the verse earlier I wanted to quote and couldn't, <laughs> couldn't think of it. <clears throat> but here it is. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to... Now, you know what? That's wrong. I think I'm... I, that, that's a mistake, I think, isn't it? Got to check something here, ladies and gentlemen. Looking at Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28. Does anybody know what's wrong with that verse there? Romans eight twenty-eight. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them... Yeah, there is. There's an error in this. Who knows what the error is in the last statement, page 2, under the word called, <clears throat> and there it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. There's a serious error there. And I must think, my, I guess my computer, <laughs> but here it is. You see, you see, did your Bible have a red mark there? You, or does your paper have a red mark by the word called? Because... If you look in your Bible, the word is who are the called. It's not who are called as a verb. It's those who are the called. And that, that makes it a noun. In other words, we are the believer. We are the called. We have been called. Called out of the world. Called out of hell and under heaven. And so I don't know why the error there is in that paper, but that, that's key, right? You look in your Bible there, I'm sure I'm, I'm saying this right. I'm reading the scripture here, Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for good. And by the way, of course, this promise is important to know. All things work together for good. Now, just think about that for a minute. What things happened in your life recently that you interpreted for your, for your demise, <laughs> for your to be damaged? But no, the scripture, we are guarded. 
And we know everything God allows in our life ultimately, not maybe immediately, but ultimately it will work out for our good. So what does that tell you? You're invincible. If you are the Lord's, you are invincible. You are in his hand, and he will God. doesn't mean everything's going to go hunky-dory, and you're going to have a nice, easy life. doesn't mean that. In fact, you may have a more difficult life. But you know the Lord, yeah, many times it be much more difficult than if you were not saved. And so, again, look at this, Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And just throwing this in, this is a little extra here, verse 29. <laughs> for, whom, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed in the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. And then look at verse 30. This is a tremendous passage of Scripture we just stumbled across here today. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he called, and there's that word called again, whom he did predestinate, them he called, or if you go back to the original text, that's, that's the word there, he called, and whom he called, them he justified, we're now justified before the Lord, and whom he justified, them he glorified. That's, these are the things that happen to us when we get saved. Look at those verbs in there. Look what happens to you. Predestined, called, justified, glorified. That's you. That's me. And did we deserve any of this? No. What we deserve is hell. I know I, know I deserve hell, but I know I'm not getting it by the pure grace of God. Yes, Ken. Ken. Yeah. And he says, those that hear, and those that aren't willing to hear, yeah. we can see what it's like in our Sunday school classes, Wednesday night prayer meetings, yeah. and how they're just so very, very uh, uh, thin. Yeah. And as he says, those that are willing to hear, yeah. faith cometh by hearing. Yeah. And then in back in all the way back to Psalm 63, David says that they there, there are Christians that are drinking of a wine of astonishment, and they're looking around, people have no interest. Yeah. Yeah. And if you know you're chosen, you know you are because you care and you're interested and you have a fear of the Lord. Yeah. When you don't, you can't. You shouldn't even begin to even uh, lower yourself or I mean lower the standard that the Lord gives to think that you're chosen if you have no interest. Yeah. Exactly. So there's no calling there because it's a dead heart. It's a very dead heart. And this is what we deal with as elders and deacons and as pastors. Yep. We see things that you other see. people don't see. Yeah. Incredible. Right. You do that, and but you know what you point out here too is true probably in most churches. Like you take like the Sunday school hour, you know, you have a handful of people there, and then the regular church service more common. That's good, but it, it, it's a problem within the church. It is that way. Or if you had, um, my guess is if if you have a Wednesday night prayer meeting, it's probably just a handful of people. That's always been our experience at Stony Bank, and every church I visited, it's that way. But you would think. If prayer meeting is what it's supposed to be, if we understand what prayer is, you would think that prayer meeting might be the most, most attended meeting of all the week. Because you're praying, you're talking to God about the issues that are in your life. This is serious work gets done in a prayer meeting. If the Lord is here, why wouldn't you want to be there? Wouldn't you want to be here? Absolutely. But th- no, that's, that's a good point. And, that, and these are the things that 
All churches deal with it, not, you know, not just here. As far as I know, most churches deal with that same issue. And it's a mystery to me. I never could, I never could understand it. If Jesus saved me and called me to himself and gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit and all the promises there, I would, I would want to be in the house of God. And yet, I don't know, there is, you know, it's not, it's not everywhere. So I don't understand that, but I have to live with it and deal with it. All right, getting back to this then, getting far, getting far afield here. Okay, so we're looking at those who are sanctified by God the Father. Again, and here's that verse I would encourage you. Make sure you memorize, if you haven't memorized that, Philippians 2, 13. It is God that works in you. He does two things, both to will. He's dealing with your will. And then the power to do. Boy, isn't that powerful? To have the will and then the power to do it. And that is the work of the Lord. Philippians 2.13. Make sure you have that down. Anyway, moving on here. The next phrase we see in our text, and preserved in Jesus Christ. We, we looked at that word, terio. Uh, and we are kept by him. We are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation ready. And you know, if we were not kept by the power of God, we would we'd be back into the world so fast. You know, we, we would be back in that enjoying it and all this. And then you see the word, here's the word called here, looking at Romans 8.28. And so we, we analyze that, that word there, called. Okay, moving on then to the next, uh, going on to, to page, page number three. He, uh, verse two says, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Okay, so a little statement there on mercy. Of course, we all know that we were found in the merciful eyes of God upon us, and peace, and that's what the world's seeking. The world is seeking this thing. Irene is that word for peace. And here we have mercy is the act of God. Peace is the resulting experience in the heart of man. Grace describes God's attitude toward the lawbreaker and the rebel. Mercy is his attitude toward those who are in distress coming from Vine's Expository Dictionary there. That's his thoughts. And then you see uh, Matthew 10, 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. Now, how do you explain that? Who here can explain that? Jesus, because we talk about Jesus of peace, he gives us peace. Okay, but here he's saying, I didn't come to give you peace. I came to send a sword. What's, how can we explain that? Yes. It's going to send people to hell. If they're not preaching about the Lord's righteousness, his holiness, and his justice. Yeah. And this whole thing, I mean, I have, I think it's just rampant. It's like a cancer in the churches. That's why so few churches are actually talking about sin and hell. And yeah, right. and judgment, yeah. That's what put the good news for it. And yeah. this is going back to witnessing the people. This is where I find I have the most opposition, is with professing believers that have come to know Jesus. I made a choice for Jesus, right, right, yeah. but it's based on the false gospel. Right, and I so know. when you give them the real gospel, yeah. they don't want to hear it. Yeah. This is very scary. I think every one of us has been, if we're serious about the Lord and we've shared the gospel, this is what we've come across. Yeah. My problem isn't so much in the world, because you expect them to right. Right. But not yeah. in the profession. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the hatred is coming from, within. Yeah. Now, you bring up a good point. You make me think of myself here for a second. And that is, as we grow in the Lord, that's, that, that is a progression. 
So when we're first saved, we don't have all the information or really understand doctrine or anything. I know in the early part of my ministry, I was a pure Arminian <laughs> until I started you know, looking at the Bible and I was preparing for a Bible study. And I, and, uh, I was like, wait a minute, this isn't my free will. This is the Lord's, you know, selecting me and saving me in spite of myself. And that, of course, now if you do that, <laughs> especially if you're a pastor and you go through that, you're going to have a major problem. Because here you have an Arminian church, and now I show up as <laughs> in Calvinistic thought. Another long story, I'll share that with you one time. Uh, but, um, yeah, so you, know, you begin to see these things are the, is the power of the Lord working upon us. Okay, there's something else I wanted to say about that, but I lost that trend of thought. So going back here, then, looking at Matthew 10, 34. Think not that I am come to send peace, but I come to send the sword, or I'll send the sword. So what, what he, also other verses, he says, I came to divide father and mother, right? You know, that verse there. And here's what it is, and I think you all know this. When you get saved, okay, maybe you're going back to your family and your family's not saved, now you've you got to deal with the whole family. You have to deal with your wife, children, or you know, vice versa. Or, or your friends, go back to your friends at work. Now before you were the good guy or the funny guy, and, pal- and now you come in and, play and, you got, and you're saved. Well, you can still be a good guy and even be funny, but you're not into the world. And now people will recoil to this. You know, the unsaved, they won't like this. And so they'll sort of you know, drift away from you. Um, you know, or and that kind of thing. And I think that's what that's talking about. If we're living for the Lord, yes, there will be those who will love you, the, the brotherhood, they'll love you, but the world won't. And so you got to, you know, don't let that break your heart if you find that some of your friends do not really come to you or tolerate you. Expect that, actually, because that's what the Lord said, that's going to happen. Now, you don't want this to happen because we behave foolishly. You know, we can be foolish. Even in our witness for Christ, you can be obnoxious. You know, you got to be careful about this. And if people reject your foolishness, well, that's one thing. But if we're following the Lord properly and you get rejected because of that, that's, that's, that's bearing the cross. That's part, of, that's part of it. And think about it. In America, we have it made. Look, go into other countries and live for the Lord Jesus. And you'll lose your house. You can lose your job. You can lose your life. So as far as, relatively speaking, as far as the world's concerned, as Americans, we really have it. We're spoiled, <laughs> really spoiled, rotten. Even though some, you, maybe you might lose your job over your faith. That, that can happen. Or you're not on the inner circle at the club or all this because you're standing for the Lord. Okay, so be it. Live for the Lord Jesus and who cares what the world thinks? Follow what we care about, what the Lord thinks. Amen? Amen. Okay, so, okay. And then we're going on here looking at this list. Mercy unto you and peace and love. Agape there, the word of love there, we understand that. We've talked about that. By love, serve one another. That's a wonderful thing. What are we doing here at the church? The work, the work that we do at the church. Hopefully it's motivated by love, right? Love for the church, love for one another. And here is a difference between coming to church and enjoying it or coming to church and it's my duty, I've got to come to church. <laughs> you know, you don't want to do that. Maybe sometimes you just don't feel good. Okay, it's my duty. But if that's the normal then there's a problem somewhere. But you should enjoy coming to church. Enjoy going out on ministry or cutting the grass or cleaning the windows. You're doing this for the glory of God. This is our church. It should be something that we're, we're joyful about. And if, and if you're not joyful about it, then you know what? You need to look in your, in your own heart. Something's missing somewhere. Okay, so and hopefully we have loved one for another here in the church. 
But you know what, too? And this happens, too, within the church. Whenever you have a group of people together, from time to time, you're going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, look the wrong way, and you've offended a brother over here. <laughs> you know, that happens. And then, you know, when that happens, you've got to humble yourself and go to the brother and say, look, you know, I didn't mean to do this, or, you know, I sense something's wrong, can we, can we solve it? And, and, of course, if you're with a Christian brother, you can usually work those things out. So don't let divisions occur, you know, between you and someone else, or, you know, you see that person over there, so you stay over here, and that's silly. Within the church, forget that. You've got to love one another, forgive one another, humble yourself and forgive one another. And if you sense there's hostility between you and another person, go to him and say, hey, John, you know, uh, you know I just sort of sense maybe there's something going on here. Can we work it out? What, have, I done, have I done something to offend you? you know, please let me know. I can make an adjustment. And so we've got to be honest one with another in that area there. It's tough to do sometimes because we're full of pride. You know, I never make a mistake. You know? <laughs> we do it all the time. Okay, the last word here, and be multiplied. I like this. And be multiplied. Acts 12 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. Isn't that beautiful? You see the word of God grow and multiply. Oh my goodness, is that not beautiful? Which makes me think of the difference between evangelism and discipleship. I'm sure you won't understand that difference. Evangelism is going out in the community and sharing Christ with the unbeliever. Discipleship is the work among believers. Right? So this is like discipleship. You're all believers, and so now we're growing in the Lord, encouraging one another. And so when Sunday school is over, and even when the church service is over, we should be walking out of that building and feeling on fire because we've been encouraged by one another, been in the Word of God, and, and being built up. Uh, but, but evangelism, you're dealing with the unsaved. So there you're going to get rejected and, and all kind of stuff. And... Um, so I'm trying to think of different stories I could share with you. My rejection, I've had a lot of it. But, that's, but I, you know what? I count it an honor. If people make fun of me or laugh at me, you know what? I'm really saying, thanks, Lord. Thanks, thanks for letting me be embarrassed or ridiculed or whatever, that I could suffer for his name. If, if it's for his name, making sure it's for his name and not just something dumb that I did. But if I suffer for the name of the Lord, I praise God. I actually get chills thinking about that. That would be a wonderful thing. Acts 12, 24. But the word of God grew and it multiplied. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing there. So I think, I think I've heard you made reference that you do have an outreach to the community. You go out and reach, do you have like an evangelistic ministry within the, community, within the church here to go out to the people? We do that at Marcus Hook there. And um, of course, you know, the community of Marcus Hook is not a really nice community. So you really got to be careful where you're going. But so we go out one, just once a, once a month. We'll get a handful of people and go out and you know, knock on doors. And I just say, hey, we're, we're from uh, Bible Presbyterian Church down the street here. And um, if you do not have a church home, we'd like you to encourage you to visit us. And then I have a, a gospel track. And I say, here, I'd like to give this to you. And then, and then I shut up and see if they respond. Do they, they have a question about the church or about me or about the ministry or whatever, then I let them speak. And if they don't say anything, I say, well, nice seeing you. See you later. You know, you don't want to be a pest. So we've gone through our neighborhood at least twice. I know. I've, Vicky, haven't we done it? We've knocked on the same door twice in the last couple, maybe the last two years. So maybe once a year, because Marcus such a small area. So you can go through that community with a handful of people. And um, 
but that's always good to do. And, and sometimes you get people, and, they'll, and you know, sometimes you're sharing the word with them, and they start to swell up. You know, ear, you know, see tears come to their eyes, and you know you're touching something. And, you know, you can begin to, to share the Lord with them. And, some, and once in a while, they'll say, well, come on, would you talk to me about this more? And you get in there and share the Lord. Now, if we're good, here's where we need to make the transition. Talking to the person about the Lord, and then step number two, bring them to church. That's the next step. You know, you can tell them about Christ, but then you want to say, well, tell me, do you belong to a church? Well, no, because, well, listen, can I come by and pick you up 10 o'clock Sunday morning? I'll take you to church and bring you back home. And now sometimes, you know, they'll be suspicious. No, I don't want to do that. Okay. But sometimes they will. And, and then you can really start doing the work of discipleship. And that's what we need to focus on. We get a new person here. We need to think about how I get this guy and give him the word of God with regularity that he can come and become a disciple in the Lord, become an elder in the church, become a teacher. You know, many of them are out there potentially. Just bring them in. And that the Lord can do that mighty, because the Lord does mighty work. Because look at this. Every one of our lives here is a miracle. You know, every one of us could get up and show how we deserve hell and damnation, yet the Lord got the message to us and saved us and set us upon the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we love him. Now we're in a church and we want to serve him. It's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle what the Lord has done to our life. And there's many others out there for that to occur. Question over here. The pretty lady in the pink over here. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you Yes. Yeah, you can do it with phone. Yes, absolutely you can. Yeah. Yes, and that's. Um, as you're talking, I'm thinking about a, a, a fella in our church. Um, let me see. I don't know how to say it. You know, think about Skip. You know, because really we're doing a little bit of that, you think, with, with him. And um, so you want to you get friends and bring them to church and, and minister to them, call them, talk with them. And that, that's what discipleship is. And as you do that, then you're beginning to make friends. And, and if you can dis- disciple someone, you'll make a friend who will be your faithful friend for the rest of your life. If you, if you can really do a key work of discipleship. Yes, sir. That's a great point that Miss Vicki brings up because it's amazing when, especially even when you get to talk to strangers, you'll find out that the highest percentage of the time, and I don't have to tell you, you've forgotten more than I know about all this stuff that I want to know. But a lot of times they talk about the hurting. And you pray for that opening, you look for that opening. Yeah. You don't go like, 
a lot of these Baptist ministries, you go up and you just take the Bible, shove it down there. Right, I know, yeah. Right, right. You sit back and you wait. Wait, Somebody yeah. Somebody might have a sick mother. Yeah. Or maybe a, a child in a hospital with leukemia or cancer or something. Yeah. Or maybe something that all of a sudden they talk and they're hurting. You give them a burden. The, yeah. And I've never seen it fail. How it just lights their hearts. So How about that? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, be, be alert for different situations to come up, how you can take the Word of God and put it in, naturally, put it in the conversation. So, now, I do it, some, I'm probably too blunt and too forceful, so I'll just talk to some. hey, I want to give you some good news, and hand the track out. <laughs> sometimes a guy wants it, sometimes they don't, but, but it's better than doing nothing. You know, if he's offended, okay, I'm sorry he's offended, but... But what you said is the natural way to do it. Just get in there and listen and naturally apply the word of God to the issue of the day or whatever they're talking about. And that's a real skill too. A good soul winner does this. We know how to naturally weave in the word of God in a conversation, whatever the conversation is. Know how to move it, move it into naturally without being abrupt. I tend to be too abrupt. I, as I look back and, and criticize my, I'm probably too abrupt in the whole thing. But... If you can do it skillfully and gently, that's the way to do it. And here's the thing. As years go by, as we're growing in our faith and knowledge of the Lord, we should be getting more skilled in doing this, shouldn't we? We should be a better soul winner. I use the word soul winner, whatever, evangelist or evangelist. I should be better today than I was last year and I was the year before as a result of growing in knowledge, growing in my sanctification. Uh, Who had the question? Yeah, yes. Yeah. God's power is perfected in weakness. Yeah. So when we're weak, yep. we are really weak. We're approaching as weakness in a gentle, meek spirit. Yeah. Then the Lord is free. He's free anyway. Okay. But he's free to do blasts however he wants. That's where the power comes in. Yeah. Then it's not a work. Then it's an obedience in fear and trembling. And yeah. that's where his power is perfected. That's where real things happen. I just want to use an example because with the police ministry that we have right now. Oh, yeah. Um, we bring out these dear people down there. And one of the sergeant, Angie Nichols, um, Tim and Lisa were there when this happened. And we have not hammered her over the head. We have just told them we've been praying Love for them, which we have. Yeah, been. yeah. The Lord's really established a wonderful relationship. But in speaking to them, she knew the Lord gave her, unlocked her heart to know that she could trust us. Mm. And she just Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. All these things that she needed prayer for, serious yeah. things. Mm-hmm. And I think the Lord lifted a huge burden from her. Mm-hmm. But this was not, she wasn't our, she wasn't our project. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's so good. I know. Yeah. It becomes a project. Yeah. Right. You're exactly right. That they become a project. And it really should just be a natural outflow of who you are. Yep. Mm-hmm. That our obedience to the Lord is costly because it actually costs others more than it costs us. And mm-hmm. that's where the sting comes in. Yeah. Because we don't want to hurt people. We, we want to draw them, but sometimes, yeah. you know, we have to let the Lord right. yeah, the patient. Right. be responsible for the consequences of yeah. the Yeah. So now, it, well, the only thing I would. I would no, no that's, I know you could. And, and here's the other thing that she's talking. It's a very good point. 
Now, not, I would just add to that. I would say amen to that and agree with that and then add one little more paragraph. But there is a time to be bold. There is a time to step forward and to take a chance and present Christ even though it's not a friendly environment. So there's a time for that too. Now, now okay, now where is that verse in the Bible? The time for this, it's, it's where is that? It's in in uh, Job? No, it's in... Uh, Ecclesiastes, that's it. Yeah, very good. Ecclesiastes 3, a time for this and a time for that. Yeah, so there's a time to jump in and be bold with the God. And there's a time to wait and sit back and let the Lord get direct. But now, as we grow and mature in the Lord, we'll be able to discern wisely when they go forward in boldness or to be wise and sit back and wait. You know, that's a very good point. I think our time is up. What time? My wife keeps going like this. I'm, what are you doing this for? Is, she, is her wrist hurting or something? What's the matter? Yeah. Well, you're trying to tell me time, right? What is it? Time to stop, I guess. Okay, well, I wanted to get through this here, so maybe next time we come together, we'll take the second half of this. I thought we'd be through this in about five minutes, but okay, this was good. Well, I want you to close in a prayer, and then we can get ready to worship the Lord. Our Father, we now want to give you thanks that we're here again today. Lord, we could be in bed asleep. We could be watching television and looking for the Phillies game or with all that's going on, Lord. And yet, you let us be here today, and we give you all the credit for it. None of us. It's none of us. I know this. So we want to say thank you. Be merciful to us. And then, Lord, we we thank you that you love us in spite of ourselves. We know that you forgive us of our sins. You give us direction. You fill us with the Holy Spirit. And we want to say thank you so much for this, O Lord. And we ask now that you will guide us as we move into the worship service. Bring Bring the people here, Lord. Get them out of bed and bring them here. And may the word of God and and the worship and the fellowship be a blessing. Thank you for this time, and we thank you through Christ our Lord. Amen.